Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Collective. We have another fantastic show planned out here for you today, and I am very excited because we have some new faces. we got some old faces, not that they are old people, just that they have been around a while. <laughs> and uh, I'm very excited. Uh, Nick, you haven't been here in a while. Tanya, we just had you. Anne's new. Aaron's new. Well, I'm excited. This is, this is going to be a good, good conversation. We've noted. <laughs> um, while I am trying to develop my ability to do anything here, make sure that you uh, like and subscribe, hit the notification bell, do all that good stuff. That way you get your email in the morning, all that stuff. Now, um, quick hitter here. None of us are doctors, pretty sure. Aaron and nope. Nick. Okay, we're all, so none of us are doctors. Uh, anything we do say is based off of our experience and all that good stuff. If you have any questions or comments, throw them up in the comment uh, area here. We are able to put them up and uh, engage them directly. Just like this one. Doc C, you already have Tanya shaking her head, Chance. Yeah, I sure do. She <laughs> beat me to the punch. And Sean, too. Excellent. We are good to go now. Um, I'm going to start with Aaron. And we'll go around the uh, the table and we'll get some intros and then we'll dive into the conversation. So, Aaron, tell us uh, who you are, where you come from, all that good um, stuff. Oh, wait. Yeah, I right. am uh, a black belt uh, in jujitsu and I've been a black belt since 2017. So, yeah. Um, and now I'm a mental performance consultant and I also have ADHD. So, I kind of put that in there, the whole neurodivergence thing. Um, also just finished my master's in sport and performance psychology. So mm -hmm. I'm working towards my um, certified mental performance consultant certification from the Applied um, Association for Applied Sports Psychology. So yeah, that's what I do. And I, I, I wanna help um, combat sport athletes. And I also have a nonprofit called Submit the Stigma, which seeks to normalize mental health in the world of jujitsu and hopefully soon other combat sports. That's awesome. That's wicked. All right. Um, Anne, give us a rundown. Who are you? Where you come from? All that good stuff. All right. Well, my name is Anne McEwen, and I live in pretty much the center of Canada in a little town called Fort Francis. I'm right on the Manitoba border and Minnesota border. I am uh, a mother of two daughters, and I am a retired police officer. I had just finished my 30-year career with the Ontario Provincial Police June 30th, and just embarking now on my retirement plans. Um, I plan to, you know, just travel as much as I possibly can in the next three or four years. I'll, I will be coming out to the West Coast um, most of the time. I love skiing, downhill skiing and love to be in the mountains, but I also uh, enjoy the desert. And beaches, any sand. I love to be there. <laughs> so anyway, that's who I am. I, as a police officer, I have taught uh, firearms. I have done some use of force. I have been um, a patrol supervisor. I have managed uh, youth engagement strategy with, uh, in consultation with the government, the federal ca federal Canadian government. Um, Project Sunset, and it was an innovative strategy that built uh, life skills and empowered youth through an experiential learning program that was proven to work and proven to change not only behavior, but personality. And so it was a $3.4 million project over five years with Public Safety Canada. And it was the first time ever in Canada that the police led such an initiative. 
So I have a little bit of a background with that. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll get into that shortly. Don't you worry. Um, Nick, give us another rundown. I know we had one from you a while ago, but uh, it's been a little while. So give us another rundown. Uh, Nick Strosser, former member of the Canadian Armed Forces. I did some time as a reservist with the Essex and Kent Scottish. I did a tour in 2006 to Kandar, Afghanistan. Uh, Went to the Air Force in 2008 for a few years. Came back to my reserve unit in 2011. And now I'm a full-time firefighter with the city of Windsor. I also own Corporate Life Apparel, which is kind of my side gig, hopefully my full-time gig one day. But uh, I really enjoy what I do. I love my job, and I love what I do here in my garage. So uh, life is good right now. Raj, awesome. And Tanya, uh, you've been on lately, but let's give you a rundown anyway. Give us who are you, where you come from, all that good stuff again. Um, I come from... I don't know, parts unknown. I'm just from Western Canada, essentially, BC, Alberta, hybrid, and currently based in Montreal. I'm a purple belt at TriStar Gym, and I I make art, I create, and I just hang out with amazing people. Awesome. That's a good way to do things. I like it, just hanging out with amazing people. And uh, Sean, you got any questions right off the bat before we dive into anything? No, I'm looking forward to this combo, though. Sweet. Okay, so um, with that, those out of the way, I just want to hit this real quick. Uh, Doc C hits us back, says, love the connection between jujitsu and mental health. Definitely under-researched. Yeah, I think it's probably one of the greatest uh, helpers for myself and many people I know that are in jujitsu. That has really given us the ability to engage our own mental health through the mats. So 100%, we'll get into that as well. <clears throat> now, the topic for today is... I have it here. I don't think I read it in yet, but I will write it in a second is engaging humans. Now, and you wanted to, uh, we were talking a little while ago and this is one of the topics that you had brought up was, you know, engaging people where they are. Um, but I think that there is a, a broader question. There is how do we engage people to begin with? How do you gauge how to engage people? And, uh, and all the developments within that as well. So the first, I guess, question I want to maybe concept that I want to lay out is how do, how do you personally, how do, what is your go-to engagement when you're dealing with another human being? And I'm going to put, and you on the fire first, because it was your idea. So <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> well, I think one of the things that we can talk about is, and that's something that the collective is doing is, consistent messaging across different uh, mediums or avenues or people, right? And not only the outwards communication, but also listening to people and finding out what their needs are. So when we were uh, working with the youth, for example, uh, we're dealing with youth that are at risk and it can be all youth. It doesn't have to be anything that's culturally or socioeconomically specific but we're dealing with, with across the board, finding out what people needed. And in order to get that information from them, it's important to be patient and to take the time to build the trust so that you can build the rapport so that people will feel that they can be vulnerable. And isn't that what the collective is about? Like you're talking about really difficult messages or conversations allowing people to hear what you have to say from your perspective and your experiences, you're sharing with them what uh, 
maybe the key topics are, whether it's mental health or well-being, but you're sharing with them and allowing them to absorb and to process. And so I'm going to start right there about it's building relationships with people at a, at a level where they feel like they are valued. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to put uh, Nick, how about yourself? What's your, uh, your standard or go-to or anything that, anything on what Angela said? Engaging people. So I found recently because I've been working on my own mental health and I, I know we talked about it the last time I spoke with you and Sean, just about the things I was doing, been doing, reading things. And, and I found over the past like three or four months, me being better in my head allows me to be better with other people, which makes sense. And um, I now listen, like when I'm talking to someone, I, I'm not a big small talk guy, like shooting the BS. That's cool. But I like having conversations with people and I find that I'm able to converse with people and I like to, I can be open with the problems I've dealt with and the things I'm dealing with a lot. I'd rather be wide open about it now, whereas I used to hide it and kind of, you know, I'm okay nonsense, but now I, I can kind of see in people I know at work, uh, being a firefighter, you see guys that are struggling and they are still the tough guys that don't want to talk about it. And I'm now able to be wide open with what I've gone through, what I've been through, the, the, the thoughts that have gone through my head, the, the things I've thought, the, the bad, the good. And I just find that listening to them and, and I don't allow guys to be asked me either. Like I know when someone's not okay, I'm going to say, tell me what, what are you going through, man? Like, or what do you, what's going on in your life right now that don't sugarcoat it for me. You can tell me exactly what's going on and I can understand it. So mm -hmm. I listening to people actually listening and giving them a chance to tell what might take a, a minute. Everybody knows that it's not easy to get things out of people, but you know, if you're wide open about your issues, people are a lot more eager and ready to talk about what's going on with them. So mm -hmm. I found lately me being better as a human is helping me maybe not help other people, but at least getting people to talk. Well, okay. I can see I can see in your positive messaging on Instagram, buddy, that uh, you have made uh, some changes for sure. I mean, just this year alone, I've seen your messaging change to I, I don't want to say it's way better. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it's really positive focused. And yeah. and what the, the work that you've done with yourself is playing out into the world. And, and that's obviously causing a positive ripple in your community. Thank you. 100%, yeah. Um, let's go to Aaron. I've been watching you nod your head quite a bit. So let's, uh, let's jump here. What's your, what are your thoughts on this? It's funny because I actually spoke to a friend who is uh, becoming um, a psychologist and we talk about like how much head nodding is enough, you know? Um, <laughs> but the things that I'm hearing, so, and you, you talk, you talked about values and vulnerability and vulnerability. I kind of take from Brene Brown in that vulnerability is courage. So to be able to say I'm not okay and then risk not having membership into that group or someone seeing you as a different person, maybe less than, um, it can feel really, really hard, but it's also important to be authentic. So authenticity is my thing. Um, I wrote the, this theory of authentic performance and that's what I had to do to get out of my master's. And so I, I talked about values as well. So in the acceptance and commitment therapy, although in sports psychology, they like to say acceptance and commitment training because therapy, the word uh, usually scares people. And so we talk about what are your values? First session with me, I'm doing values. We're going to take 10. We're going to narrow them down. We're going to rank them that way. When you say, am I being authentic? 
you go back to your values. Am I acting within my values? And if it doesn't feel right, you go back and you change the values because they're fluid and they change. So I really love that. Um, and I do that with my clients where I meet them where they're at. Um, and, and Nick, you, you were talking about two things I heard was the listening part. So one of the techniques I use is called motivational interviewing, which is basically just asking the right questions and engaging someone and they find the answers themselves. I, you know, I'm not the expert on you and I wouldn't say that you are either, but I'm here to give you the tools to figure that out. So when you can figure yourself out, right, that relationship with yourself, and then it adds into the relationship that you can, the capacity that you can have for, for someone else, right? Um, and then with the emotional suppression, you know, I'm working with a guy who is working to pass the bar exam, which is very different than someone who is trying to win a jiu-jitsu tournament. But we talked about how it's okay to ask someone, hey, can I vent? But I told them, I said, just ask if they have the emotional bandwidth to handle it. And then, you know, hey, can I just can I just vent to you, right? Um, and so it's, I think it's really important that you talk to people about things and know who you can talk to. And I love that this group of people I can tell are that type of human that can is willing to engage others and have difficult conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tanya, what are your thoughts so far? I see you scribbling notes madly. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to take notes of what amazing things everyone's saying. Um, I would say the original question is my thoughts on engaging humans and what yeah. that what that means. Yeah. So for me, it's it's been complicated because some of the some of the ways I've learned how to engage humans are were born out of trauma or survival, and then some are inherent in how I'm an artist, and artists are chronic oversharers like we can't help but just put our stuff out there and my my journey has been using the skills I've learned whether they come from less than stellar situations or you know great situations using those skills and learning when and where to use them because that's uh, from what I gather, a mastery of something is discernment. So developing the compass as to who, like Aaron said, who is safe or willing or has a capacity to speak to about certain things and and also what things to keep uh, for yourself until they are ready to be, I guess, shown. Um, so developing the compass and overall, whatever is in me, the artist, the what have you, has learn to engage with humans by just honestly sharing their humanity because mm. i i'm a chinese canadian that grew up in a very small predominantly white town so i was never really quite in one group and as a result i used to feel very sad about that but and then i learned that it it has allowed me to become a bridge so i am able to connect others and just use my skills to communicate that shared humanity that we all mm -hmm. have. And essentially that's how I engage with people. I like it. Uh, Sean, what are your thoughts so far? You're in my group, Tanya. <laughs> uh, I'd like to say this. So um, this, this obviously wasn't planned. I wasn't sure what we were going to be talking about today, but it just so happens that over the last 24 hours, I've written on this subject to some degree in respect to how to engage with humans. I did a post on it this morning, <laughs> quite by coincidence, uh, and it was about how 
Right now, I'm out at Jump Camp out here on Vancouver Island Skydiving Camp, and it's for veterans, first responders, and law enforcement to, to some degree, struggle with their mental health uh, to uh, uh, small degree or great degrees. And it's a really uh, fascinating group of people. They're my kind of people, obviously. I, I love on the veteran community. Uh, I, I understand them uh, reasonably well. And uh, what I did post this morning was I... <laughs> it was a funny little moment with the Skyhawk. Skyhawk, being for anyone out there who doesn't know, is the Canadian Armed Forces uh, National Parachute Demonstration Team. I was in, I was on the team in 1989, so that's 34 years ago. And at that time, we did over 50 show sites all across North America, and uh, that's all the way from uh, little two below Manitoba in the middle of nowhere for a uh, hundred people, all the way through to several ten thousands of people. Uh, at uh, massive air shows, largest air shows in the world kind of thing. And, uh, you know, it's lots of uh, um, parachute performance stuff and smile and wave and sign autographs and shake hands and uh, swap uh, uh, inane stories and talk about the weather or, you know, write down to someone, some someone's kid wants to be you or someone's dad uh, wants to say, my kid will never be like you. All of the conversations that you have to negotiate. And... Uh, you know, you speak to thousands and thousands of people in a in a season. Uh, but this year, the Skyhawks jumped into the jump camp out here this year. And uh, I walked over to one of the um, Skyhawks and I said, uh, hey, uh, I'd like to get a photo uh, with you if you don't mind. And he looked at me and said, are you Sean Taylor? And, uh, and I said, yeah, uh, I am. Uh, what's going on? And he, yeah, the podcast. And so uh, I guess, you know, to some degree, I'm engaging with humans through this podcast, all as we all are. And um, I'm looking for ways to engage uh, with people through the digital medium. And I'm looking for ways to engage with people in the three-dimensional space. I had the advantage of learning how to communicate with people. It's a skill that you have to develop over time. And I was obligated to in 1989 by talking to thousands of Canadians. Uh, from diplomats to dignitaries to town mayors to the guy who runs the car wash, all levels of society, all kinds of people. And if you aren't a person who's used to communicating with a pile of people, then how do you communicate? Well, this today I was told how I'm communicating. And it is simply by demonstrating how to communicate, just simply doing what we're doing right now. Every single day we talk over here, we try to figure out ways to uh, be open-minded and transparent and vulnerable and all of those things. Now I'll get to my point. Um, someone said to me, Hey, Sean, you know, like you're covering a lot of hard subjects over there, like, uh, tough subjects, challenging subjects. I said, yeah, we are. Um, and, and this guy said to me, I really respect that. Cause a guy like you, as he categorized me as a tier one operator, a guy like you rarely ever does that kind of thing. And I said, well, that's why I'm doing it. And, and I think we all have that kind of responsibility, you know, like it, it doesn't matter what my careers were in the past. I guess I represent a certain thing, but we all represent a certain thing. And within our community, there's people who I'm not going to say look up to us, but they categorize us as a uh, as a milestone or as a representation or as an avatar of how maybe they can do it better. So in engaging with humans as we are right now. Uh, today and yesterday double down reinforced to me that what we're doing over here is working. It has traction. People are paying attention. And 
if, 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 I, if I am to believe what I'm hearing over the last 24 hours, they want to see more of this kind of stuff where we transparently and vulnerably share the experiences from our lives and in order to maybe help others uh, process their own things. So we don't have to know how to talk to every single person in the world. We just have to know how to talk with the people on this panel right now to demonstrate this is how you communicate in a more effective manner. I like it. Anybody got any thoughts on that? Before <laughs> I got a few comments here, but any thoughts? Going down the panel, everybody good? Okay. Um, we have a couple comments here. Doxy kicks in with, uh, my favorite book on this subject is Dale Carnegie's How to Win and Influence People. Doc, uh, Chris K, Doxy, yes, that is a must-read, very simple non-gimmick advice, can be read in an afternoon. <laughs> and Doxy says, yep, Aaron is on it, so you're good to go. <laughs> you getting the thumbs up from Doxy on your first day? This is awesome. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, now, let's get into, you know, we've talked about how we engage people, but let's, uh, you mentioned it just a touch, uh, Aaron, as well as uh, Anne, was engaging people where they are. And I think I really want to dive into that a bit more. So, uh, Aaron, you want to jump on that first and then we'll pass it around again? Go yeah. Um, when I when I meet someone, I really try to focus on like how they're feeling, what their emotions are and their beliefs. It becomes their reality. I have to assimilate into their reality. So I may have even a very similar experience uh, knowing how small the jiu-jitsu community is. So they might say, you know, I had a coach say this to me or this person who knows this person and I'll know that person or, you know, so I have a subjective experience as well. So I have to kind of suspend that and I have to go into what that person's reality is, um, because if I just simply deny that experience or invalidate their experience, then I'm doing them a disservice. And I'm also not being open-minded and able to understand them, which is kind of the point of creating a connection. And so connection is really the biggest thing. Um, and making sure, like I think about in jujitsu actually, you know, we just talk about how you make a grip, right? And you wanna maintain that connection. So maybe I start up higher on the arm, but I don't completely let go of it and then you know try to re-grab because by then their arm's going to be gone so i might grab higher and then i'll just loosen up the grip a little bit drag it down to where i want to go to the wrist you know clamp on again right and so there's this type of connection where you stay in it so it doesn't really matter what my agenda was for that session i'm usually talking or even a conversation really i'm you know adhd i'll, I'll just pick a topic and sort of just like connect the dots and go around and you sort of just go in circles and it's just a bunch of like, oh my God, that reminds me of this. And you just keep going. Um, and so I try to keep it as organic as possible. So when I build a connection with someone, that's when they let me into their little world. And then I can sort of jumble in there and go, well, this ain't working and this ain't working. So let's replace it with this. But definitely um, connection. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Anne, what are your thoughts on that? Um. I really like what Aaron is saying. And there's a couple of things that I hit on um, just to back up your point. When you talked about values, it, I instantly reflected back to when I was first going, I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress 
and uh, anxiety, major depression. And I knew I needed to make a change in trajectory to look after myself and prioritize my health better than I was. And one of the things that both my psychologist and I, I invested in a personal trainer because I knew I needed to move my body. One of the things that my trainer asked me is list out your five values, top five values, list out your top five qualities. I had never thought about that in 52 years. I'd never thought about that before, but it suddenly made me reflect on it. My top value is health. My second value is family, you know, and then my third is integrity and it goes down the list. Well, it made me realize that I wasn't applying any of my energy or my efforts to my top values. And I needed to change my life and make decisions so that I would val put place value on those values and prioritize them accordingly. So, you know, and I listened to Brene Brown as well. Um, and I, so I, I resonated with a lot with what you said, and that was the question in my life that helped me change my direction towards a more health and feeling of well-being. Um, to add to the connection piece, I think from the project that I worked on, the, the piece with connection was in recognizing that everybody comes to a place from their experiences and their background and, you know, generationally how it's come and what assets they have in their life or resources they have in their life meeting people where they are, it's also, there has to be some sort of framework um, uh, that defines how a group will behave in order to reach the common good. And in the project, we called it the full value commitment. So it was be here physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally here today, not five minutes ago, not five minutes from now, um, care for self and others, it was speak your truth, setting goals, and then letting go and moving on. And so I'm going to give you guys, the collective, a shout out on this because when you talk about being here mentally, being present mentally, you guys have a no swear rule. It's a guideline for communication. It's a guideline for interaction. But it really it really causes somebody to be present in the moment and to regulate their emotion in order to express what they have to say, their thoughts and opinions in a way that is, it's just opinions based on their experience. So being here in the moment is something that we taught the children to be. Um, and then when we care for self and others, um, you know, I believe uh, Tanya was talking about um sharing right picking who you share with and i hear this a lot from other folks that have um experience post-traumatic or stress injury or brain injury sometimes when you're talking to people it's not that you're sharing it you end up having to explain yourself you feel justifying you have to justify why you're doing what you're doing so one of the things in building connection with people is just allowing them to express it without any expectation or judgment, because that's when tension comes into, you know, it, it puts a wedge in between the ability to create that connection with people. So, and I have had to learn that myself. My circle has shrunk. I have purged 
a lot of people that I, I no longer share things with. And it's not because I don't necessarily trust them. It's just the fact that you have to, Brene Brown, you have to earn the right to hear my story. And it takes a lot of courage uh, for somebody to share. So if somebody is in that point where they're sharing, um, I think I posted this on the story that Seb shared the other day. Um, I believe it's the Shadow Project. I can't remember the name, but Shadow, Shadow and Light. Thank you. It was, it's a complete honor for me to receive his story if he's going to have that level of courage to share it. And so I have to hold that from a place of honor. Mm -hmm. So, and the last thing I'll, I'll hit on very quickly is when we, when we do things and we fail, we're not, we don't meet that level of success. It's important that we are in a community that cares, that has compassion, that we have that connection built, that we are, we are, we feel that we are able to fail able to reflect, able to learn from it. And then we practice letting go and moving on. Mm -hmm. We don't hold on to that anger, that frustration, those negative energies. That's what I feel this community is allowing us to do. And we learn from other people on how they've done it. And then we can maybe put it into practice with our own life or just know that it's okay. We just keep trying, stay in the fight, keep going. Do you know what I mean? Anyway. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> You're uh, reiterating kind of our, our entire uh, mission statement. <laughs> so it's awesome. Uh, Thank you. And saying it better than we do. Uh, 100% <laughs> saying it better than we do. Um, Tanya, how about yourself? What are your thoughts? Um, for me, it engaging with people has just genu genuinely come from a place of curiosity um part of being an artist is i kind of steal stories in a sense i i have to go and experience the world and and just listen to as many people as i can experience as many things as i can and in order to build my library and so i've i've done that for most of my life um again a lot of many of it was born out of survival but you use those skills um, for, to further yourself and I have found that that just that process has made me more skilled in engaging with others because I have had such a breadth of life experiences uh, I'm, I'm not quite up to the career count as Sean but I'm getting up there um, and and in terms of life experiences that as well and that allows me to at most guess at what others are experiencing, but usually more importantly is I listen. I listen without judgment, and that seems to be something I've always been able to do. Uh, honestly, probably it's because I have screwed up enough times where I'm, I can't judge anybody because I did that and 10 times worse and five times over. So there is that. And more importantly, I have found that by engaging with others, I learn a lot about myself. There are people who embody values that I, I hope to, I hope to have, like Seb and his ability to remain open-hearted. And and then you meet others who. The most diplomatic way of saying is, I, you do you. I'm going to go my own way, and you. 
and through that you learn more and right now I'm kind of at this place where I'm actually trying to learn to develop a better sense of interoception I believe it's called because sometimes I spend so much time engaging with others and in a sense being very sensitive or worried about what they're experiencing I don't actually think about what's going on with me and at first I thought it was self-centered, but over time I realized, no, if I can't name what I'm feeling, it's going to come out without my knowing. And then it's going to be reflected in my behavior in ways that I may not particularly be thrilled about. So the more, the more I explore these different, like that landscape, the better I know the terrain, the harder it is for something to, I guess, infiltrate or for it to be used against me. And mm -hmm. Yeah, that's where I've gotten with that. I like it. I like it. <clears throat> Understanding your know yourself and know your enemy, and you will never fail a thousand battles. I think is the uh, not a great summarization of that quote, but <laughs> there's a quote very similar to that. So, uh, Nick, though, what are your what are your thoughts so far? So far, uh, I really like what everybody's saying. Like <clears throat> I said earlier, I've been on this like self improvement journey because I went through a rough goal with. Uh, I had some stores with the company and, and things with work. We lost a few guys at work, unfortunately, and just life gets in the way of everything. And uh, like you said, and I, I had to like cut a lot of people out, which they're still out to this day and, it, and I don't miss it. <laughs> and I had to focus on me, like being a better me. Cause I got a wife who I want, you know, she's seen the worst side of me. She's seen the best side of me. I'd rather her see the best side of me more often than the worst side. And I had to really, dig deep and, and buckle down and kind of get myself in order uh that meant getting rid of certain instagram pages that i was following uh the news was blowing my mind i just cut out as much negative as i could i started training every day i wake up i run i i don't do jujitsu yet but i, I take care Double of myself training. physically <laughs> Physically uh, and mentally. Chance, and can you remove his window from the screen, please? Yeah, exactly. You don't get I to have tried it. I, I did do it back in, in Borden. Anyway, um, yeah, and then what uh, Tanya was saying as well, like, uh, you have to know yourself. Like, if I don't know what's going on with me, I'm not going to be any of any use to anybody else. And I, even my wife found out, like, over the past six, seven months, she notices I'm a lot lighter to be around. I'm a lot easier to be around. Um and when I do engage with other people, I want to hear what's going on. And I want to, I'm not trying to fix anybody, but if I can at least listen to you and, and if, if I can relate to your story and your problem, I can give you, you know, I can tell you what happened with me and how I dug myself out of it. And I've been doing that quite a bit lately with, with good friends who are still in that mindset of, you know, yeah, there's things wrong, but I don't want to know what's wrong. Or, you know, a really good friend of mine the other day just had a kid and he, he told me, uh, his kid's kind of a distraction from his mental health issues. And I said, that's, you know, that's not a good thing. Is it, yes, your kid will help you out for a little bit, but you have to, if you don't love you, you are not going to be able to give the proper love to that kid or your wife mm -hmm. or anybody else. And I can see it like him and I grew up together. We're best friends. And I can see he's a totally different human being than he was. And I start, I see it far too often now. Um, and like I said, I'm not trying to be some savior or help anybody, but if I can talk to people and they can hear my story and say, Holy, you know, he got himself out of this. I can do the same thing. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Like if I can mm -hmm. help anybody do anything, uh, dig themselves out of a bad thing. I'd rather, I'd rather talk to them about it than have them do something silly. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Sean, you got any thoughts? 
Well, Nick, you said something interesting that you are not trying to save anyone, but uh, I, I think we all should be to some degree. Now, that doesn't mean it's got to be your full-time job. It, it's not my full-time job. I'm not trying to be uh, whatever savior means. I don't know. But uh, to the point, this morning I spent uh, three hours uh, talking with a, a number of different veterans at the drop zone, and uh, the predominant uh, topic was uh, from from group to group to group was was a very similar theme, and it was, oh man, you know, like if we if we would have just known that he was going to kill himself, etc. And so, and it's it's you know, it's so sad, and. You know, as I was asking the questions of how to not solve it, but how to um, maybe improve things or how to engage with these humans that are uh, suffering so hard that they make that 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 kind of a decision. Well, I we were getting to points in conversations where some of the fellows were saying, yeah, but, you know, he just doesn't want to talk to anyone. OK, so how do you engage someone? who doesn't want to engage. Well, uh, funnily enough, someone said uh, something that struck me like a, a lightning bolt, and it's to what I said earlier, and that is, man, sometimes you just don't have to try to engage with them. You've just got to be awesome, and they've got to see it. And if they can see enough awesome over a period of time, eventually they'll see that there's a path forward. So, you know, it's maybe it's not having to get in get into a verbal arm wrestling competition with someone in order to convince them that there's a better way to do things. Sometimes you've just got to do and they've got to observe and then eventually they might engage. And so we, we can talk till we're blue in the face with some characters out there and they might not hear a freaking word, but they'll observe actions they'll observe outcomes they'll observe positive moments if anyone uh, uh, tuned into my uh, gypsy caravan uh, live chat that i had on the uh, drop zone just before i sped over to the hotel to have this live podcast you'll have seen me like high-fiving knuckle bumping hugging laughing with over 100 people this morning some i didn't even know but you know you set that vibe you get it going and everyone wants to get in on the action. Everyone gets a little more upbeat. All the boats float just a little higher if you can float into that place with a good positive vibe. So it's maybe not so much uh, overtly engaging with humans. You can engage with humans just by simply being a freaking ass kicker, a rock star, being awesome, doing your best. And hopefully someone will pick up on that vibe. Yeah. One of the uh, the greatest lines that I've ever had in regards to this is waste no more time arguing what a good man should be. Be one. Yeah. And I think that uh, it applies to communicating, applies to engaging. It, imply, uh, it applies itself to basically everything. If you're worried about it, <laughs> start doing it. <laughs> I think that's uh, something to, to take us on the next realm of this conversation. How, how do you do that? How do you not only engage somebody that doesn't want to be engaged, but how do you engage yourself to the point that you can then be that example? Uh, and, oh, yeah, go Tanya, go ahead. What do you got? Yeah, if I may, um, well, to add on to the previous topic, uh, it's I'm not partic particularly religious, but I believe it's a quote by St. Francis of Assisi where he says, spread the word of God everywhere you go. When 
necessary use words. So it's just by simply embodying huh. the ideals. I like it. Uh, that can provide a model. And in other instances, there's no one, you know, silver bullet. Well, there's no just one way to fix or so to speak, fix people. Uh, but engaging can just simply being there. I think above all people, another quote, some people, the world, whole world just needs a good listening to is just to genuinely sit there in silence. Sometimes you just gotta be in the suck with that person and the awareness that there's someone there with them, no judgment, no, no prescriptions in that moment. Uh, that often can be at least the first step because being alone, being disengaged is one of the most brutal things that people can experience. Um, so, and yeah, that's when you don't want to engage or when others don't want to engage with you, sometimes just sitting there. Like I imagine horses, same thing. You earn their trust. Mm -hmm. Just you learn that your presence is a safe thing. And that can also be applied to yourself because right now in my journey is I am doing a lot of inner child work and it is honestly learning to trust. My inner child is learning to trust my adult self. So in terms of my emotional well-being, these things, there's a character I call the soccer mom that just drags you from place to place without actually letting you sit in these emotions and, and be with them. And if you don't sit and be with them, that little kid's going to run off grab a pint of ice cream, steal it, and just eat it. And it's going to find a way to get their needs met. Um, so by doing small acts of self-care, so to speak, I don't know if that word gives Sean hives, but... Um, I was trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like self-care or just you need five minutes to just sit and breathe and be in the moment because you're feeling overwhelmed. Give yourself those five minutes. And over time, you learn to trust yourself. And with that, um, I guess would be my thesis as to how to engage people, including yourself that don't want to be engaged is mm. prove that you're safe. I like it. Nick, you got any thoughts? I'll get you in a second, Aaron. You'll be, I'll, I'll do Nick and then I'll get you. Don't worry. I'll come around. Nick, what are your, uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, I like what everybody, again, what everybody's saying is good. Um, and yeah, it's just, I like the inner child thing. Like, I, or sorry, I'm going to go off here. Uh, the being alone thing that hit me because there was a, a couple years ago, there was a probably like nine to 10 month period where at work, I didn't want to be around anybody. And a fire hall is a family. Like you are there at 8 a.m. and you're there till the next 8 a.m. So you're there 24 hours, you're eating together, you're working together. And for a, a period that, again, I was going through some stuff and I would eat my dinner and I would disappear. And I thought that was the best thing for me. You know, I, I'd see the boys having fun and, and having a good time playing cards, just talking about stuff. And I didn't want nothing to do with it. And I think that was the worst thing for me. Um, and it wasn't until I started this self like reading and, and podcast and even getting to know people like you, cause it, that helped. I'm like, okay, I'm not the only one going through these things. I know it's happened to someone before me and somehow these people are shining. And I, I, Sean, like Sean said, I see someone be awesome. And I'm like, why can't I, I may not be awesome, but why can't I be a little bit awesomer than I am right now? And and when I got out of that little thing where I was hiding, cause I was literally, I'd go into my bedroom and I would hide, I would play on my phone. I'd read a book and I'd 
stay away from everybody thinking that's the best thing. I, I even cut off good friends of mine and, and that was not a good thing. Uh, it's just been the past, like less than a year, I started really re-engaging with people that I want to re-engage with. And, but under my own values, rather than going out, getting drunk every weekend, which was my old, that was my old thing, my old standard. Uh, that's not me anymore. So the people I hang out with have to get used to the Nick that doesn't go out and booze all night that likes to do things that are interesting and, and engaging. I'd rather be with people and, and I would love to be at this skydive thing you're talking about, Sean, if I live a little closer, but um, stuff like that, I love, like, I like getting together with like-minded people being on this collective is amazing. Um, I don't know any of you personally. I kind of do a couple of you, but it's great to get on with people who think like, like I'm thinking yeah. um, there needs to be more of it. And I hope we can spread it far and wide because there's way too many people out there sitting in their rooms or sitting in their houses thinking that this is it. Like there's no better than this. Cause I was that guy sitting yeah. at home thinking, this is the, this is my baseline happiness. This sucks. Like, yeah. I don't want to live like this forever. And that's, unfortunately I thought that was it. I thought that was the best I could do. So just live with it, man. But now I know like seeing rock stars, I, I'd love to be a rock star one day. I'd love to, for people to look and say, okay, if this guy did it, I'm going to do it. Absolutely. So that's, I love it. Aaron, what are your thoughts? You're, you're chomping at the bit here. I can see it. <laughs> so I'm finding that I have something in common with like every single person here, um, which is just really weird, but I'm going to try to like sum it all together. Cause I have so much that I want to like touch on, but so uh, on a less happier note. Um, so when I started submit the stigma, um, I had already been dealing with mental health issues. So I was figuring out my life while I was doing jujitsu. Um, so I didn't get my ADHD diagnosis till I was 22. Um, and so that was sort of like, you know, jujitsu is therapeutic. It's not therapy. So I went to therapy and I figured that out. I got some diagnoses and whatnot. Um, and my relationship with my dad was honestly, um, a lot of the, the reasons I had trauma. Um, and in 2015, when I was living in New Jersey for a couple of years, um, he killed himself in our garage where my mom found him. So my mom is finally going to therapy, all that, like, it's great. Um, but it, it took a while. So when I initially like debuted Submit the Stigma, I had never planned to make it a nonprofit. I went into a tournament. I had just gotten my brown belt. I went into Nogi Pans and I just wanted to get on the podium so I could hold a sign that said, hashtag submit the stigma of mental illness, because it's the stigma that prevents people from getting help. It's the stigma that prevents people from talking and sharing and finding connection and engaging all of these wonderful things that we're doing right now. And kind of like what Nick, you were saying, you sort of like hide, you isolate. That's what my dad did. He kind of moved into the den, didn't want any of our help, you know, um, and just succumbed to this undiagnosed depression um, and whatever else. Maybe he had ADHD as well. So um, that idea of me being like, look, I could be a champion, you know? Well, it was really hard because I actually lost the final. And while I was like scribbling this sign, they did the podium without me. So then I had to do the absolute. And then I was in third place by default because I lost my first batch. But I was like, all right, whatever. We're going to do this anyway. So the Nogi Worlds, I ended up winning. And it was so awesome to be able to stand on that and go, I'm mentally ill and I'm still a world champion. That was probably one of my biggest awesome 
things that I was able to do. And it really kickstarted it. And that was 2016. So I've obviously, you know, become someone that is synonymous with jujitsu and mental health. But then I realized that it wasn't necessarily the um, aspect of mental issues that I wanted to work with because it's heavy. But I realized that I had the opportunity to use my experiences coupled with, you know, science, evidence-based research and bring that about to help other people deal with it. And there's a collective trauma that happens when someone is an elite competitor in jiu-jitsu because it's not a regulated sport. There is no governing body. Um, No, you know, our main, um, you know, promotion is a for-profit company. And although we use their standards, it's still, that's, that's what it is. So there's no one to report things to. There's no one to go to. There's no even like real coaching certificate that you need. You just need to be a black belt. And so there's that, you know, that culture and how can jujitsu be so good for mental health, but also so, so harsh sometimes um, if you're trying to be elite. So that's kind of like where I was at. And, you know, Sean, you really bring up a lot about how to help someone who doesn't want to be helped. Um, It can be really difficult, but you're right. Just showing people because so many people came out of the woodwork and were like, I struggle with this too. And I, you know, started the conversation, which is why there's a hashtag in the beginning. And one of the things that I kind of think about in terms of like my theories that I work with is um, Albert Bander's social modeling. He, you know, in 1970s, he um, wrote about how people will feel the way they feel about themselves in society based on their interactions with others. So verbal persuasion can help you feel better about things like validating, but by just simply doing it and showing it being like, look, I struggle, but I also do cool stuff. So that's kind of like, I want to be tough and I want to do all the cool stuff, but I also want to be transparent and vulnerable and show that like, there is no one kind of without the other. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you got any thoughts? Yeah, I love this conversation. Um, How to engage with someone who doesn't want to engage. So in working with this project, there was two things that I come to understand. There's outputs and outcomes. So outputs, just to put on in simple terms, is how many presentations you might do in a day, how many podcasts you might do in a day, how many uh, connections with people or meetings you go to. That's outcome or sorry, that's output. That's output. Outcome is a behavior change. It is something that comes as a result of consistent hours of connection with people. So with the project, we were dealing with youth that were being suspended from school, that were constantly having negative behaviors, um, that were getting in trouble with the law, that were dealing with substance misuse, that had emotional regulation challenges. Um, what we did is instead of time outing them, we would time in them. And so we would apply more resources to them. And trusted adults in the community wrap resources, bring more resources in and to a target audience. And what we found is if you can accept people for who they are and allow them to be who they are rather than who they feel they need to be, then that helps to build that connection. Um, it takes away the shame. For me, this journey has been 
um, impactful because um, not only, you know, the project was successful, it worked, but it was never deemed real policing. So after the five years, it was canceled. Despite having universities say, wow, we've never seen a project, a youth engagement project, change behavior. And not only are you changing behavior, but there's evidence to suggest that you're changing personality. That's never happened before. It was beautiful. There's a community called Pekanjikum. It's the um, it's a remote First Nation community that is about a two-hour travel time north of Red Lake, Ontario. And it was in 2011, the coroner, Ontario coroner um, labeled it as the youth suicide capital of the world. And the project was implemented there. And within five years, there was over a thousand children that were engaged in that project and not one of them committed suicide. In fact, this year, which is about seven, eight years later, they had the highest rate of graduation. But it wasn't real policing. So there, for me, when the projects were canceled, I could see this beautiful outcome occurring and beautiful involvement of children and their families and their communities building. But there was a lot of resentment that I had. And my PTSD came from when I responded to a train fatality involving one of the youth in my area. And then in addition to that, I lost my best friend to suicide about six months later. And so I had a lot of anger towards, a lot of resentment towards the organization that I worked for. Um, and I had to, I had to work through that to understand that I had to meet them at their level of readiness. They didn't have the capacity to see the beauty of the project. They didn't have the capacity to see how it was making the community well. They still don't. But the framework is there. The framework is proven. What it taught me is that when people are struggling, when people have shame, when people are unable to ask for help or they don't know where to go for help, you have to meet them where they are. You have to message across the silo of organizations and people so that, you know, Tanya, you're doing it, Aaron, you're doing it, uh, Chance, you're doing it, Sean, you're doing it, I'm doing it, Nick's doing it, and all the other people that are doing it so that we all have a similar message but we're timing people from all different angles to allow them to just still be who they are, to gather the resources that they need in order to, that they resonate. Because people, when they buy in, which may take a month, it might take a year, but eventually when they connect with their head that it's logical, with their hand by doing, and with their heart, people change or people change trajectory when they feel it's making a difference in their life. They need time to process. And so when we get people to um, participate with us, we got to model that behavior. We have to lead in that behavior. I think, I think it was Tanya maybe that said it or Aaron that said it, but if you practice what you preach, if you will, and you make a promise to yourself to commit to your own well-being, you will send that energy out to other people and they will feel it. And that's what's happening. And 
interestingly enough, Tanya, I wanted to say to you, it wasn't the experiential learning that made people buy in on this project. It wasn't the classroom activities. It wasn't the family activities. It wasn't the after-school activities. It wasn't the weekend activities. The one thing, or sorry, the one section of this project that helped people buy in the most and we got the statistics to climb was music, arts, and culture. That was the way, and I was like, what? I was thinking, well, we're going rock climbing and we're going canoeing and we're going, we're building up on these levels of connection with the kids, but it was music, arts, and culture. That's what resonated with people. They did the art. They participated in culture, which helped them to like build their identity that they felt that they didn't have or they lost. They were able to express themselves. We've all done the expressing with the dancing. We're all out there expressing ourselves and walking a walk. But that's not my gig. That would be Tanya's gig. So Tanya's coming in to do the arts, music, arts, and culture. If I identify as what the need of the youth are, I'm the police officer. You think my my power is crime prevention? Mm-mm. My power is to pull in the resource to apply to the audience so that they will have the connection to buy in. And that's what we're all doing here. That's the power of the collective. And I see the framework that you guys are doing and it's very similar to the project. We're crossing the silo because it's not one individual or organization that is their responsibility. It's everybody's responsibility. And it's going to be our new uh, promoter for the next little while. Hell yeah. I happen to be be retired. I can cross the country or the North America. My travels, I'll I'll speak the word. There you go. Uh, Sean, you got any thoughts? Yeah, I don't know if I've got a, I don't know if my thought is well thought out, but I'm going to throw this out as I was listening. It's a bummer that that project got canceled after five years, but I think that maybe the reason it got canceled is because it was mistitled. Because if it hadn't have been run under whatever title it was run under, policing or whatever, mm-hmm. it, it might have worked. But because it didn't fall into the um, conventional labeling of policing, then it has to get shut down because this ain't policing. Yep. But if it would have been called something else, it would have worked maybe because of the title. And so mm, funnily enough, over here, we all have our own little titles, but we're not institutions. Yeah. And so the cool thing is about being an ex-tier one operator and an ex-world champion and an ex-whatever is there's a certain amount of people out there that can identify with uh, that sort of uh, role and think, wow, if he can talk about his PTSD, then I should be able to as an individual mm-hmm. because I'm not representing an institution. And so... In my perfect little world, what would happen is just some Fonzies would get in front of microphones and just be cool and talk about these kind of things. And they're representing the labels of the past to some degree. And the only thing that institutions would have to do for us is freaking bankroll it. Stay out of our business. We don't We don't want your policing label. No. What we want is cool police who used to be in that institution and now can talk to it as a freaking human being rather than as a labeled institution. So that's just my poorly crafted thought. 
for the moment. Absolutely. That was weird. My camera just like shut yeah. off for some reason. <laughs> um, Turn into a circle. I, I do really like your, uh, I really like where you're going with that, Sean. And it comes back to, you know, everything we say, well, everything you say pretty regularly, deeds, not words. You know, it's about, uh, it's about actually doing the thing and it's providing the example rather than trying to get someone else to do anything, just be, be the, uh, be the example. And, uh, there's a little point that kicked in when Aaron was talking was, uh, which Aaron had to run. She had a family issue that had, she had to deal with real quick. So she thanks us very much for being on and we appreciate her being on, but, um, we're gonna do final thoughts here in a second, but I wanted to just touch on this was the fact that we are the institution. We are the community. We are the, the VA. We are the military. We are the police. We are the fire. Like we, each individual of us is part of those institutions. And if we want to see change, then we can't just point our finger at the top and say, Hey, you need to institute change. We have to be that change. And we have to be that change every day in order to get, you know, the guy next year or the lady next year to say, Oh yeah, that's, that's, yeah, this guy's, this guy's kicking butt. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to do that too. And then slowly over time with patience, just like in anything else in mental health and physical strength and in, in building anything time, discipline and patience will rule the day, I think. And now we're going to go into some final thoughts. So uh, Tanya, any final thoughts? Yeah, mine is going to be honestly a summary of the wonderful things everyone else has said. Um, maybe packaged differently because marketing, right? No, um, <laughs> for me, what Anne had said about her wonderful program, uh, it sounded great. And honestly, it cements my theory of in a in a way what I needed when I was younger and and going through things is most people they don't know what to say or they judge you they instead of saying what's wrong with you just simply asking what's wrong or like is something wrong like just gently being there that I found to be so much more effective in at least establishing a connection at that someone cares about you. They may not answer you right away, but if you just keep engaging them and keep demonstrating that you are wanting to earn their trust, that, that goes a long way. And then, and what, yeah, what the collective is doing is, is quite something because I have found, I've gotten feedback that I, I show essentially my battle scars, for lack of a better word. I don't show them in a braggadocious way. I don't show them as something to be ashamed about. It's just more like, hey, I got mauled and I lived. I'm here. Um, and what your scars you may bear, those are those are okay. You, you that yeah, that's simply that you're okay. And and just like you said, going through the world and being authentic and communicating about your experiences. Uh, generally after you've processed them uh, battle scar scars not open wounds that's the yeah. uh, the <laughs> distinction I've had to learn to make but when you communicate um, the lessons learned the, the process and everything of how you got those scars that can set the table for the conversation to happen I like it Nick final thoughts yes uh, again 
I like what everybody said this this whole time. I, I feel like I've gone through a lot of the same things as everybody on here has gone. Uh, Sean, something you said at the beginning, you were talking about your career speaking to thousands of people. Um, I have always, I don't know if I was born with it or if I just got it from my parents, but I've always kind of been able to be a chameleon within different groups, right? You know, there's, I'm sure you guys are all the same way. Like tomorrow I'm going to work at the fire hall and I'm not going to be the nice, well-spoken young man. I may look like right now, but I'm still me. Like I'm not putting on an act and I don't know if that's a gift. I'm able to do it again with my veteran buddies. There's a different vibe to a group of veterans when you're just shooting the breeze on your own, right? Not on camera. And I think having that ability to engage anybody is great because people will trust you more if you can, again, it's not an act I'm putting on. I can talk to, I think I can talk to just about any group of people, professionals, right down to anybody. And I have no issues doing it because I think I'm a fairly friendly guy. And um, you guys all, I believe you guys are all the same. Like we can engage with you as a police officer and you, I'm sure you had to do that. You had to, you're not always the same person in every scenario I'm, I'm imagining. And it's, I think having that is great to, again, with the people you have in your life or the people that you want in your life. Like for me, I know how to act in different scenarios and I want people to know that I'm not uh, a perfect individual. I can show my, like you said, I can show my scars, but not my wounds. I've showed my wounds before and it hurts. I bleed on everybody. Right. So now I can show those scars and I'm semi proud of them. Right. I I've been through some stuff and I've, I've, I wouldn't be sitting here on this, on this podcast. I'd probably be hidden in my bedroom right now. Mm-hmm. Had I not gone through these things I've been through. So great chat, everybody. I'm glad I, I'm glad I came on today. Thank you. Absolutely. And what are your, you got some uh, final thoughts? Yeah. Um, I think too, like the conversation can grow on and we've talked a little bit about this chance and, uh, Sean, you know, to have a successful entity, to have um, the mindset grow and expand, there is factors of sustainability that need to be built in in order to to drive it forward. And I think that's where you guys are going to and are ending up exploring and going. Um, I had shared that uh, there's another sergeant that was managing a second project in Pekanjikum and he actually went back to school and uh, has, is finishing his master's in community development. You know, the, and if you think about it, it can be a municipality, um, any sort of community, it can be a collective, can be a community, but there needs to be factors of sustainability built in, in order you can do things well and things can work, but how do you, grow on it and how do you expand it to make it even more successful even even when the drivers leave even when the ones that have passion or that started it leave so um, that might be a future conversation to have I think what this whole journey has taught me and uh, there was a lot of resentment towards my organization however the growth came from or the acceptance came from the beauty in the project wasn't that it had to be successful. It just, it just made people better. It brought people back to work. Um, it was, it was something that, you know, police officers could come back to that they could feel safe, that they could just be themselves, that they could actively participate in something that gave them joy and gratitude. And 
it it made it allowed them to not just be police officer person it was they were themselves giving to their community that was a joy that i saw and i'm so grateful for it for myself just understand that full value commitment it made me just be a better person for me it allowed me to enter into a growth mindset where i was more fixed before and that evolved into i became a better i think i became a better parent i became a better daughter i became a better sister i became a better friend i was more present um but for my recovery uh, the forgiveness piece when I invested in myself and I had I built I, I built in my fitness and my nutrition and my emo- emotional regulation by going to my psychologist and in, and just more into a positive mindset it allowed me to forgive others because I accepted where they were in their own journey or what their capacity was and that allowed me to let go and move on, which I needed to do because I was sitting in a place of anger and frustration and that was landing in my body and it was starting to make my body really sick. And so um, that's, even though there's a lot of crap that happened, (laughs) I learned from it and I was able to grow and I'm great. I'm at the end of the day, I'm grateful. And yeah. um, I'm going to just sneak in a little <laughs> Sneak in a little bit? Okay. And then we got to shut her down because we're yes. already uh, yeah. nine minutes over. But yeah, go ahead. Um, but one thing to possibly consider is, although that, that project didn't end the way you wanted it to, and it it set a precedent. I mean, it, it showed that it was possible. It's that four-minute yeah. mile thing. And not only that, but yeah. your journey right now in healing, that could be an amazing blueprint for the next person who creates, you know, who's part of another project very similar and is experiencing problems. And so there's always something to be, you know, learned and, and something to be found in these situations. Thank you. Thank you. Sean, final thoughts. Yes. I, (laughs) it's too late to do it now, right at the tail end, but I've been looking at these two words for an hour almost. And, are we talking about engaging humans or being an engaging human? Because mm-hmm. in order to engage humans, you've got to be an engaging human. And how do you become an engaging human? Well, that's for an entire different podcast. But I would say this. You have to be well-spoken. You have to be well-read. You have to be well-experienced. You have to be broad-minded. You have to be open-minded. You have to be many things in order to engage humans. So if you want to help the world, become an engaging human and see where it takes you. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, you know, the best part about that is that in order to become an engaging human, it starts with learning how to engage yourself. And then it it carries on with the ability to build yourself up into an engaging human and then you get to grow into the engaging human that engages other humans. And you can do that with us every day here on the collective. See y'all tomorrow. Chimo. Chimo.